I'm Tass Mellis of The Starters. This is Ben Golver with the Open Floor Podcast. Hi, I'm Kristen Ludlow from NBA Inside Stuff. I'm OG Ananobi of the Toronto Raptors. Hey, I'm Elena Daldon, and welcome to the Double Clutch. Double Clutch. Double Clutch. Double Clutch. Double Clutch Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, basketball fans of all ages, welcome to Double Clutch. My name is Hugh Hopkins, and to the right of me on the screen there is the inimitable Josh Coyne. And on the other side of the screen over there is the ever-handsome Nick Whitfield. And on the ones and twos, the producer who can control the maestro is Kirk Killick. How are we, gentlemen? Say hi, Kirk. I'm personally good. It's a pleasure to be back on board Captain Kirk's ship and to uh, feature above this tremendous setup. And I won't take it personally that you chose to use handsome for Nick. (laughs) I'm feeling good. I'm... uh... I was worried that there may be enough games for the Knicks to dip under 500 before this uh, pod, but I am delighted to join a double clutch podcast with the Knicks playing playoff basketball. Of course, of course, which we're going to get onto in in just a moment. Um, Kirk, do you want to say hello with with one of your humorous drop sound effects? Okay, next. uh... (laughs) Next. That's all we're getting. Cool. Fair play. So... It, this is, um, we're going live um, on one of the crazier days in the NBA because, I mean, we've had games cancelled before. We've had games postponed in the history of the NBA. But um, about an hour before we went live, this um, communications came from the NBA that said, New Orleans at Dallas, Boston at Chicago, the games are postponed. And of course, they're not the first games to be postponed this season. Um, COVID is wreaking havoc on the NBA. Gentlemen, what what are we doing here? What why do we even why are we even attempting to play basketball games at the moment? Well, I want to see NBA basketball as much as everyone, uh, all the NBA basketball fans out there. Many of us actually need it more than ever, really. But that being said, there are two parts to this conversation with me. Clearly, we're putting these unvaccinated. Um, athletes at more risk by having them unnecessarily sweat, breathe, push, and maybe even spit on each other for 48 minutes during a medical crisis. And then secondly, we're kind of going to reach a point um, where it looks like you're really kind of, if it happens routinely where you're fielding teams like the Sixers did the other night and like it looked like Boston were going to the other night before Miami cancelled, you're going to start really hurting your product by fielding these kind of G League looking lineups um, on the absolute highest stage. Um, So I think, I mean, if you were to field those kind of teams that looked like they were going to step onto the court the other night, in any other normal circumstances, that would probably be considered punishable by the league because you are rotating to the detriment of the product. Um, So for those exact reasons... Um, I to answer your question, Hugh, I don't know what we're doing. What do you think, Nick? Should we should we shut the the season down? I don't think so. I mean, for monetary reasons, I think it's quite obvious why these games are still being played wherever possible. When a team can field the minimum number of players, they're kind of putting them out there. 
Um, which you know what it's really brought me back to though is right um, must be some like six months ago now or whatever and we were talking about the NBA 2K trailer and we had a large section on this podcast about how detailed the bodily fluids were in the trailer little did we know how relevant those COVID carrying bodily fluids were going to become yeah it's it's definitely becoming um uh, a, a worrying sign and anytime someone uh i, I don't know I, I haven't seen any players spit on the side of a court but um you, you know anytime those mop people go in to try and you know clean up the floor as as you know players fall over and stuff and you just think oh god this is just getting get messy there's sweat all over the floor i can see people slipping in it and someone's trying to clean it up with their bare hands even though they've got gloves on and a mask and all that rubbish but it does it does seem like i don't know maybe we're hitting we're hitting an unusual point because i remember right at the start of the season there was a there was a game postponed and i i questioned then why why are we postponing it um should it be just that 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 team loses that game by by like 20 points or something because we're going to have a lot of these for the next th- well uh, 5 months you know, we're, we're going to have a lot of games that are going to be postponed or moved back. We're, we're going to run out of months in the year before the Olympics happen. Of course, that's the big thing that the NBA has been trying to avoid is clashing with the Olympics. So we can have Team USA go over to, um, to Tokyo this year. So realistically, are we going to have enough time to, to play all these games? Are we just going to have to do playoffs, you know, like, like almost like we did last year on playoff, but on on regular season percentage rather than their their win loss record and then we have a couple of play in games obviously you know the the play in games were were scheduled in this year for a reason so are we just going to see some of those games cancelled towards the end of the year do you think so what you're essentially saying is they should be treated like GCSEs and we go on uh, teachers estimates instead of actual exams i worked well last year didn't it <laughs> Shout out to Tom Hall and all, and all the other teachers who had to deal with that mess last year. But um, but you know, obviously in basketball terms, it's in some ways it's it's not half as important as as the education of the future of our world. But um, but at the same time, it's very important to nerds like us. So yeah, what 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 do you think, Nick? Are we gonna are we gonna see all game all teams play seventy two games this year? I think I I can't answer that question. But what I will say is that whatever they do it's going to be heavily flawed and criticized because uh i mean right before we came on i was talking with josh about how you're quite likely going to end up with some games just by if you look at the numbers in the us right now in terms of infection rates and hospitalizations and stuff it's not going in the right direction i heard an estimate earlier today that somewhere in the region of 30 percent of the nba has had coronavirus at this point and when you, you're sending these guys on road trips where they could be in six different hotels, which maybe uh, and traveling in a big group through airports, uh, the, the chances of infection are so high. And then these guys who once they've had coronavirus and are carrying the antibodies, you're trying to enforce them to behave as though they... Uh, could still catch it. And while we know that they can still be carriers, even if they can't be infected again, it just seems like whatever action the league tries to do, there's not going to be a great solution right now. No, I I agree. I mean, it almost feels like 
last year, I mean, you know, this this is benefit of hindsight, but it almost feels like last year they should have tried to finish the season almost, you know, going from city to city. And now that we're reaching this second wave, perhaps this is the season that they should have put in a bubble because, of course, that was incredibly successful last year. Um, and arguably, yeah, you you can't have... It, uh, how many players are in the league? 450? Or is or is that increased recently? Um, I, I feel like it increased recently. You can't have 500 people, well, players, in a bubble for six months, let alone all the staff that would be needed to, you know, to keep a, 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 an entire regular season going. But should that have been a more considered option, Josh, do you think? I think that you're right in saying that obviously they benefited from the fact that it was late in the season and they didn't have to invite every team to the bubble. Um, you're also right, though, in that um, it now seems wild that they kind of used their chance to have a bubble. I mean, that was their chance. Players, you'd have a hard time convincing them. It was a huge logistical um masterwork um but it's also a huge undertaking to redo the bubble and i know that the biggest um challenge would be convincing those nba players to make the sacrifice again beyond their professional sacrifice you know under such strange circumstances they were trying to adapt and they played at a really really high level really entertaining product and um, they'd also be making a real personal sacrifice of leaving many of which, you know, they have a lot of young families and they'd be leaving there behind for months, I assume for a much longer period of time than the last bubble. And when you saw guys talking about that in the last bubble, they were saying, well, I'm not doing this again, or I can't wait to get home. And even though they wanted to be as professional as possible, they wanted to compete their natural competitors, they were desperate to get home. Most of them were so relieved to get um, knocked out of the playoffs and you don't want to see that again. So I think that was their absolute one chance to do the bubble. Um, I think the only way that they'd be able to convince them to do it is if they were able to find a way to last long enough to eliminate people from playoff contention and then do a March Madness-style tournament inside the bubble. Um, but it is a mess and it's really hard to point in the right direction and I assume it's such a headache for the people who run this league. Go on, go on, Nick. I was going to, just going to say to Josh, he's having a bubble, mate. Um, <laughs> the 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 one solution that I thought, well, it's not really a solution, but it just may have helped. I was listening to the Brian Windhorse podcast earlier, and they made some really good points in that compared to Major League Baseball and the NFL, there are two major factors that uh, that make it much more difficult for the NBA. One is the number of games compared to the NFL. So once you get into mm. trying to delay games, you get them suddenly piling up because there's so many of them. Mm -hmm. And compared to Major League Baseball and the NFL, the, the squad sizes are so small mm -hmm. that you only need a relatively small outbreak within your team and you're struggling to even put a team together. Yeah. So I wonder if preemptively what the league could have done just to stack the odds in its favor a little bit more was had a special provision just for this season with like, maybe an extra three positions in a squad where you get a like G league level salary and you can hire three extra players just to stack the odds that even if a team has uh, a number of players out, they can still actually field a team and that just be accepted as it's the same for everyone. 
you have to play if you have the numbers and and go from there. And if you can't field a squad, you lose a game. We move on. Yeah. That's like the only way I think it could have worked slightly better. Even. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, sorry, go, go on. No, go well, on, Josh. Go on. Like I said, I mean they benefited last year from where they were at in the season. And I think that any of the suggestions that we've given, including what Nick said, I think a lot of them actually would. There was a lot of talk, kind of bogus chatter about um, an asterisk. Asterisk. Why have I lost the ability to say that word? Asterisk uh, season last year. And actually, compared to what we would probably have to offer now, um, if we did have to cancel the season and shrink it down into another bubble, in such early stages of the season, it would be way more of a, you know, it wouldn't be taken seriously over time. And I think that it's a real shame uh, and it's, it's hard to know where to go. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure where we'll end up. I personally, I see, I see the, the postponed games being cancelled. Um, but I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I think it possibly would have been a better option to go with a bubble um, in the first place. But obviously, the logistics of that are difficult. But as Richard Fang said in the uh, in the in the Twitch chat um, at the moment, Stephen Adams did say at the time, "It's not Syria, mate." Um, you know, it was, uh, they were very well looked after. So, um, you know, maybe if they'd been paid a bit extra, maybe they would uh, turn around and gone, and gone for another season. But, um, of course, we, we, can't, um, we can't talk just about basketball or, or, the, or, or the cancellation of basketball games um, at the moment because there's been, I think it would be remiss of us to talk, um, to, to not talk about the um the the final season of america of course um because uh it is entering uh yeah the 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 final stages where it feels like the whole thing is going to burn to the ground very sadly but um you know we've seen some uh, crazy things in 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 the past week and um i don't think it's our job to sort of go into the nitty gritty details of it but i think some of the cool things we've seen um is the it, we we've obviously seen um the final calculations of um the senate votes in in georgia where we've seen two uh two people get voted out including a wnba owner um in kelly loffler um however the the team that she owns the atlanta dream are a big reason why they were voted out um however within a few hours of that because those the the senate count then went to the senate to eventually be um ratified i guess uh to to make sure that they've got the the the, the future senate sorted um we then saw trump essentially send send troops send public mercenaries um to the senate to sort of overthrow it almost um and all they did is is walk around like tourists with a VIP pass um, and sort of, you know, desecrate a few things. And of course, we did see the loss of um, five people's lives, which is very tragic indeed. But um, I wonder, gentlemen, if you could talk a little bit about um, the activism that we've seen from the NBA and the WNBA in, in this regard. Um, we've also seen uh the news come out about the uh, officer who shot jacob blake he didn't end up uh, receiving any sort of sanctions on him whatsoever um and i think it's been another week where we've even though there's been a lot of issues in the nba in basketball you know trying to get on the court i think we've also seen 
more reasons to be proud of um, the basketball community. Um, Josh, I know you've written a lot about, um, you know, the, the social justice uh, work of NBA players in the past. Um, what what do you make of the actions in the in, in the past week or so in America? Well, firstly, I thought it was excellent to see from the WNBA. I mean, this is the year of unprecedented things. That's the code. That's the buzzword. But this is the absolute meaning of that. I mean, we had uh, professional athletes coming into the playoffs uh, with T-shirts campaigning against their owner. Uh, for her political seat. Um, and, you know, they, they managed to influence a way to take political power away from their owner, which is, of course, mwah, chef's kiss. It's another example of the WNBA players kind of leading the way in terms of the social justice uh, movement and having the willingness to stand up. Uh, we spoke about it a while back, and I think that I suggested there's probably lower stakes with this, with the uh, level in which the WNBA is sponsored and there are people endorsing it, less people endorsing it. There's a lower risk um, aspect to it, but they have absolutely went above and beyond on continuously, and it's been fantastic. Um, in terms of the other thing, I've, I was going back and forth, sorry to go on a tangent here, but I was going back and forth on, you know, how emotionally invested in this nonsense that's going on overseas really really should i be i think part of it is because we do follow this league which is based in that country um also that we're all quite online um and and everything does have an effect on what we end up experiencing as consumers and as a country i think that it was an absolute disgrace what happened in the capital there's a great deal of entitlement and corruption that day um, the country, I mean, the country has a crooked, empty, spoiled, uh, toothless little slug of a man at the helm, to be completely honest. Uh, and he's been sowing the seeds for this kind of activity for the last five years. Um, most of what I saw from NBA players was obviously condemning this and acknowledging the obvious parallels between this and uh, the BLM marches, which actually had a purpose and actually had um, a point to them. Um, as opposed to this, like you said, this um, absolute aimless nonsense tourism into the capital before just going and shouting a load of empty nonsense. Uh, it was really frustrating to see, um, but maybe I can start to forget about it because I'm not on parlour, so the sooner I don't hear the, that clown's name, the better. Um, yeah, I think very well put. It's And it's... I was... I heard a lot of um, conversation within the NBA, the NBA community, um, and the basketball community. Um, and I think Doc, Doc Rivers said it best: is that uh, if if it was black people going um, up to the Senate, um, I I think we would have seen you know a lot a lot more of those activists activists. I say um, you know um, be be shot down or be or be or at least be called. Let's let's be honest. I, th I think they would have had a tough time actually getting in the building, um, and I think that goes to the double standards of of the United States of America. Um, so, how impactful then are these scenes for? Um, do, do you think will be for basketball players and NBA players and WNBA players going going forward, Nick? Because of course we're not seeing this year. We're not seeing the words "Black Lives Matter" on on the NBA basketball court like we did last summer in the bubble. Um, 
So what do you think this is going to this type of activity will end up doing for for our NBA players? This is a uh, a subject that uh I don't get me wrong I like to laugh and joke about anything I possibly can and this event was something I uh I struggled to understand struggled to treat in a lighthearted way as much as I try to do that with anything um there are, there are three major um talking points for me about this event um uh, and the first and I think it it goes beyond the NBA it's uh, and the WNBA and the world of basketball it's the degree to which um the digital platforms we use and the world we now live in can diverge people to the extent that we're seeing in uh, a lot of the world right now be it in Brexit voting in our country be it uh Trump supporters in America these people who are so convinced of an election being rigged uh in one way where the only evidence of rigging any election has actually been Donald Trump phoning the uh the state of Georgia asking them to find more votes magically somehow and yet they are completely and utterly convinced that they are correct and it is the other side as they see it that is somehow uh kind of being duped by the media and uh, the elites of the world and stuff. It's a scary place to be right now um, that people can willingly lose their lives for that sort of cause. Um, I don't think uh, you guys even went strong enough on the level of inequality it highlights. And I think that's, it really shows why um, athletes across sports right now are pushing the Black Lives Matter movement because it really is the epitome of white privilege to be able to storm a Capitol building considered the bastion of democracy in the US and be walked hand in hand by police officers on your way out. It's uh, It honestly disgusted me to my very core watching that. It was a very surreal evening. And it feels like the way um, our news agenda works right now, you, the next day happens and it's almost like it hadn't happened. Mm. Um, uh, and this is a really historic event that I don't think should be brushed under the carpet. A Confederate flag was walked through the Capitol building. That's something that didn't even happen during the US Civil War. This is uh, a, a real symbol of far right activity and uh, like a there couldn't be a there couldn't have been a more powerful example of why social justice movements are important and that the cause they're striving for and what they're fighting against is still very present in not only in America but around the world yeah very very well put um thanks for that it's it's i think it is important to Take take this as seriously as we as we can. Um, you know, I, I think we do all all have a joke about certain things, but yeah, there there were some scary moments um, in the in the past week, and certainly anyone that we know, anyone that we uh, have ever interacted with, we we hope you are safe, and we hope um, we hope the situation gets resolved there there quickly, um, and we certainly are wishing the best for for all of our friends in america because um it does seem like a very scary time there at at the moment um I'm g it's going to be very awkward to try and transition into a next uh, sort of section now but um i i think it was important that we do touch on that so thanks for your thoughts guys um 
But we're going to talk, we're going to get back onto the basketball court now, uh, try and try and move on um, onto some hopefully lighthearted, more lighthearted things that you can enjoy on a, on a Monday night, which I assume is the first Monday night for a lot of people back at work. Um, so yeah, uh, apologies if we've done nothing but depress you for the first 20 minutes of the, of the show. Um, but let's get into, into what we're seeing in the NBA standings then, because I think you know, we do have the teams who are like, you know, the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, are, are obviously way up there. I think the Los Angeles Clippers, they're doing very well, as we sort of expect. Um, but there's a few teams that I think, you know, we were a little bit questionable of at the start of the season or before the season. Um, or perhaps we just didn't think they they had the stuff to actually reach um, reach the level that they have. Now, we're going to, of course, start every sentence with, it's very early in the season, but who are you liking at the moment, gentlemen? Because at the moment, I'm just going to read off the top few teams um, in, the, in each conference, the top four teams in each conference. We have the Philadelphia 76ers, 7-3. and three. Matching them is Josh Coyne's Boston Celtics with 7-3. and three. Close behind that is the Pacers at six and four. And then we have the Magic, the Magic at six and four. Um, and then in the Western Conference, we of course have the Lakers, which I think we're all pretty confident in today in that they're probably going to have one of the best regular season records this year. We have the Clippers slotted into that third spot. But then we have Ross McCloyd's sons. What the hell are they doing up there? I mean, yes, they went 8-0 in the bubble, but we didn't think that this was going to happen, did we, gentlemen? Who are you liking so far? Well, Hugh, what's your favourite song written by George Harrison? Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. <laughs> Seven and three. They've started rolling much quicker than I anticipated. I did think, you know... Um, with the acquisitions that they made and the squad that they've built, that they'd have a really nice blend of leadership and youth and experience and, of course, a dynamite offense. Um, but they've got into their groove 10 games in uh, at a really, really impressive rate. Um, Chris Paul obviously adds so much. Mikael Bridges had an absolutely huge jump last night. Unbelievable. Booker is incredible. Aiton playing at a decent rate. Um, and then even guys like... Jay Crowder, who is exactly what the Suns wanted from him, and he's showing why I think he reported today that 14 teams uh, courted him in the offseason. So um, he's playing in them, you know, a really important role. And I think that they're a really complete team. So I'm going to say, yeah. uh, much to my chagrin from um, bigging up and making Ross McLeod's head too big, I'm going to say, I think the Suns really are for real. Yeah, it's um, I, I mean, it just goes to show that he, he probably, uh, it, yeah, I mean, the the construction of that team in the off season, um, adding Chris Paul, but also adding you know the role players that you just listed there, they've done they've done the right things this season, which I think is something we haven't seen for several years before that. They they have been slowly building, but I think I think it's been accelerated in the past two seasons. Um, what, what about you, uh, Nick? I mean, we're, we're obviously going to get in slightly further down into the Eastern Conference. I'm sure you'll touch on your Knicks pretty shortly. But what about at the top of the standings at the moment? Who is for real? 
One team I uh, watched play against the Knicks early in the season and really uh, caught my eye was the Pacers. And the play of Sabonis in particular, who is really having a career season so far. Crushing it. He looks in incredible shape. He is showing uh, decision-making and playmaking that we haven't really seen from him before. And what's interesting is it was just like, for the last few seasons, there was a a little question mark that was obviously increasingly uh, disappearing over whether it was the right decision to sort of favor Sabonis over Miles Turner. And I I really don't think like there's any um, reason for that question mark to exist anymore. I I even like Miles Turner, but Sabonis is playing at a level we've never seen from Turner. So um, yeah, I I like the paces. I like um, the roster they have. Uh, Obviously they have Oladipo back now. Um, Yeah, I've just, I've really liked what I've seen from them. So I noticed neither of you have... um for your who is for real, what team is for real early in the season. Neither of you have picked the Philadelphia 76ers. Josh, I understand why, because you're a Celtics fan. But the Philadelphia 76ers, we all had high hopes for them last season. And, you know, a couple of people, including myself, booked them into the finals even. And this year, I think people were a bit more tepid coming into the season, despite the fact that they actually really sorted out their roster quite nicely. So what about the 76ers then? Do they stand a chance of actually, you know, at least reaching the the conference finals, do you think? Yeah, well, you know, as you touched upon, we all had massive expectations for them last year. And I think the expectations really matter. Um, Last last year, that hype obviously would have had an impact uh, only... You know, with less hype, they've got off to a seven and three start. The main convers- conversation is, of course, uh, Joel Embiid's play: twenty-three points, twelve rebounds, and almost two uh, blocks a game. He's shooting less from the three-point line, and he's actually making use of himself where he really has those interior advantages, and he's making those smaller defenders pay um, because he is shooting it more consistently than ever. Too. Um, most importantly, though, we're getting. An uplift in social media cheekiness from Joel Embiid, which is always a bonus for the league. I think he's at his best when he's um, when he's more fun on social media, Definitely. isn't he? I think I think depending on how fun his social media is, that's a reflection of of how well he's playing. What what about you, Nick? Talking about the seventy sixes particularly, are they that much improved on last year? Of course, they've they've changed their roster a little bit. They've gone, you know, they they had those that year where they had. Um, JJ Redick and uh, oh, who's the other shooter? I'm com- completely black. Marco Bellinelli was he on the team? Bellinelli, that yeah. Year? yeah. Um, and then they sort of got rid of all their shooters, and they went really big for a few seasons. And they've still got good size there. But um, then you know, this season, I think they, they've brought in Seth Curry. They've brought in uh, Danny Green. Um, they've they've got some shooters to put around the two um bigs in of course Joel Embiid but also in Ben Simmons who is 6'10 himself so what do you make of the roster construction this season i am actually uh going to group the sixers with another team um who it doesn't really matter to me what i see in the regular season it only matters what i see from them in the playoffs and the other team is the bucks in that both teams have been really good, uh, but it's no surprise to me. We've seen it before. 
Uh, Philly obviously doing it in a slightly different way this year, slightly tweaked roster. Um, full credit to Doc Rivers as well, getting uh, seemingly the best out of the players on that roster. But until I see them look convincing in the playoffs, it really doesn't matter what I see. Obviously, they're going to fly into the playoffs. No one's doubting that. But again, it really doesn't matter what we see in the regular season from those teams because they're already proven winners in the regular season. That's fair. That's fair. I think I think it's fair to have those assumptions and I def- I'm definitely with you on the Milwaukee Bucks. To me, the, the 76ers are just, they just look different this year from what I've seen of them. I mean, of course, you know, and I'm got talking your boy, about them. Tyrese Maxey. Tyrese Maxey. That's the guy I wanted to mention. This guy, 39 points the other, the other night. Um, you know, he's, he is such a pest. Like you see him chasing uh, other opposing point guards up and down the court for, for the full 94 feet. Um, and it, he's fun. He's explosive. Um, and he seems to really enjoy himself out on the court as well. You see him smiling a lot. So yeah, he's, if, if there's anyone to watch this year, I, I'm, I'm going to enjoy watching him. Well, Hugh, I mean, we were both on some of those pre-draft meetings, I, I believe. And my biggest takeaway from the whole experience, actually, and I think I posted this a few times on Twitter, is how unbelievably engaged Maxi was. He stood out as the quite obvious, um, you know, he was really committed to the cause. He was super engaging. All he kept talking about was the hard work he wanted to put in. He was really interested. I, I mean, I know his willingness to talk to reporters really doesn't mean anything, uh, but he seemed super excited, super ready to go. And I think that that really has reflected in his play. He's uh, it's really special the way he started. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna skip a few points because um, you know, talking about that one rookie. Um what about another rookie in this year's class? Um Lamelo Ball uh seems to be the thing. Um he seems to have it all. So we've obviously seen his older brother Lonzo playing in the game um for for a couple of seasons now. And in many ways, I think they have I think they I think they have quite similar games in many respects. But to me, it seems like Lamelo has a nose for scoring a bit more and has a, has more of a more of an attack in in his mind. Um, whereas I think Lonzo is perhaps more of a pure point guard. Even though I don't really necessarily see him as a pure point guard, but he he's he looks to make the right play all the time. Whereas uh, Lamelo is like, nah, I'm just I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I want on this one. You know, um, it's, there seems to be a bit more free flowingness to his game. Well. What are there any other rookies that have stood out to you? Um, where, where do we put Lamelo Ball in, on on your list, Nick? I know you've seen him um, or followed him before he joined the NBA as well. Yeah, so Lamelo, when we uh, I did a pod with Mike and we talked about rookie of the year choices, and Lamelo Ball was my pick because of um, the role he was going to play in Charlotte and the freedom he was going to be given and the um, experience they brought into that roster with people like Haywood and stuff. So there wasn't going to be a huge responsibility on him to be uh, the guy winning games night after night, but he can still come in, do what he does best. I think his game translates to the NBA much better than international leagues, like where he's playing in the NBL. Um, Cause he, he likes to push the ball in transition, find um, runners and stuff. Um, so I really like his game actually. And he, there's, there's a number of ways he can improve. I think like if he really wanted to, he could really um, 
rethink his shot form that seems to run in the ball family um, to become a much more consistent shooter. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's hard not to like what we're seeing from him. Yeah, for all the confidence Lavar Ball had in in his three boys, I think uh, the the one thing we can all agree on is he he blessed them with terrible shot mechanics. Um, but they they are slowly being worked on on a professional level, and Lonzo is looking much better the past uh, the the past few months. Um, and yeah, I think Lamelo will will hopefully get some uh, structured help um, uh, over there in Charlotte as well. Um, are there any other players, that, whether they're rookies or not, um, are there any other players that sort of you think haven't received the praise that they deserve in this in this early season? Hmm. Um, I I mean, I touched upon mine is that I think that the biggest kind of impact that someone has had for who he left and who he has joined is Jay Crowder in the sense that I think he just was exactly what that team needed obviously, as well as Chris Paul. Um, and his absence in Miami is even louder than his presence in Phoenix. Um, I think that they, they, they really could do with a body like Jay Crowder, uh, who brings what he does to the game uh, in Miami. Another guy who, you know what, he probably is getting the requisite amount of attention. Uh, and I feel like I might need to ask for a homerism pass from both of you. Do I get one? Go for it, please. Okay, so Peyton Pritchard has been really exciting. Um, <laughs> Pritchard is a bit of, uh, you know, he's, he's really kind of um, doing wonders for four-year guys. Uh, the perception of four-year guys is either that they're going to come in and be really steady and, you know, uh, really strong pros, or they're just not special enough to have made it to the league yet. And uh, Pritchard really has this unbelievable self-belief, uh, considering the situation he immediately jumped into for a team that's supposed to be, well, was an Eastern Conference Finals team, um, and he was meant to be deep into the rotation. He was picked deep into the draft, um, and he never loses his dribble. He is willing to make humongously ballsy shots, um, and he drives to the basket with serious aggression and hounds his matchup. So, I've really loved what I've saw I've seen from Peyton Pritchard. Um and it's a weird one whether he's under the radar because Boston Celtics fans do have a have a a, a history of massively overbuzzing uh, their fringe guys. Uh, but yeah. Well, I mean yeah, they you know we only have to look at the Twitch chat to see that um Peyton Pritchard was mentioned several times before Josh even got a chance to uh to talk about him. Um so he's obviously a fan favorite of the Boston fans that we have in the chat today. Um but Nick, what about you? What who is your favorite um under discussed player and why is it Keldon Johnson of the San Antonio Spurs? He did not feature on my list, funnily enough. But I, I do have a list. I'm going to give you my list and you tell me who you want to talk more about. So I have Larry Nance Jr. for the Cavs. They have been better than anyone expected, uh, mostly because of the backcourt of um, Sexton and uh, Darius Garland, which has, been, you mean exactly has become known Sorry. as Sexland. So I just wanted to say that on the podcast, really. Um, but Nance has been a really uh, impressive defender, uh, really playing his minutes well. Uh, he's caught my eye. Uh, Vucevic, uh, no one talks about the magic, but he is having mm -hmm. an incredible season so far, playing incredibly well, shooting the ball incredibly well. Um, RJ Barrett for the Knicks. Um, everyone's talking about Julius Randle because of the eye-popping numbers. 
that Barrett is looking much closer to what um, the Knicks thought they were drafting. Uh, Sabonis, I talked about a bit earlier. Chris Boucher for the Raptors. Um, he started showing flashes last season, but this year he's shown he can be a floor spacing, rim defending, rebounding, like a really versatile big. Uh, Jarrett Allen, I think a lot of people predicted he was going to become the better of the bigs in Brooklyn. And Jeremy Grant is getting oh. buckets for the Pistons. Oh, my God. Jeremy Grant, I mean, no one really anticipated him being this much of a weapon. He's unbelievable. You know, I, I watched the Pistons in a preseason game against the Knicks, and I felt quite sad watching Blake Griffin, who oh. at one point the uh, the lane completely opened to him. He drove to the middle and then like laid it up just because he seemed to have like no lift out of his knees. Mm. And it really made me sad watching Blake. And it's a bit weird watching that team with him on it and Jeremy Grant being the kind of go-to guy on that team. So I'm trying to uh, open up basketball reference for Jeremy Grant's numbers because I wanted to read them out to you, but uh, for some reason, my frustrating uh, computer is not go. letting me. 25 points per game, uh, 47% from the field, 38% from three, uh, over six rebounds, uh, 1.3 blocks a game, uh, 6.2 rebounds, but obviously he's, a, he's shooting threes a lot, so he's not around the hoop a lot. So that's why his numbers are always lower than you think. But yeah, really good athlete, good defender. And the Nuggets have disappointed without him on the team this year. So interesting. What's his VORP, yeah, Nick? What's his VORP? <laughs> <laughs> Don't have that in front of me, but I'm sure I can get it there. No, I'm not going to look no. it up. Um, I think the thing that um, is exciting for Jeremy Grant on the Detroit Pistons um, is is the fact that I perhaps you guys can help me. I don't think the Pistons have had a oh, what is he tw- tw- 25, 26, something like that. He's 26. he's still young. He's not. He's barely entering his prime, and I can't remember the last time the Pistons had a player like that. You know, they they really went all in on Blake Griffin a few years ago. It felt like a it felt like they were struggling for a few seasons before that as well with Andre Drummond. They Are you saying had a, Derek Rose is not in his prime queue? I'm uh, I'm suggesting that yes. Okay. Uh, sorry to all the Derek Rose stands out there, um, but yeah, that I think that guy might have passed it. Um, it's it's really refreshing to see Detroit fans have something to cheer for because I'm not gonna lie, the future looks pretty bleak for them. Um, mm. You know, much like your New York Knicks from a year or two ago, we, we you touched on a couple of the Knicks players, but here's your chance to have your your Homer moment. Um, what what are you liking about them? I mean, you mentioned RJ Barrett is sort of going under the radar, uh, but what's what's different? What's happening to to the to your New York Knicks? Well, let's uh, let's look back at the Pistons, and uh, I, I've said for a long time on this pod and in articles and, and various other things that I've been okay with the Knicks losing uh, for a number of years now, as long as they're rebuilding in the right way. What I was desperate for them to avoid is what you see with the Pistons, where you end up with a, a Blake Griffin at the end of his career on big money, um, and it's just kind of a bit pointless trying to do that. And the Knicks had to take a big uh, ego hit, obviously, um, not trying to uh, or accepting they weren't going to land marquee free agents. But 
what they need to do instead, and what we're seeing now, particularly in full credit to Tibbs mainly, is the start of uh, what can be considered a culture that other players may be attracted to. And it's sometimes basketball is simpler than uh, we try and make it. And I think that's what we're seeing with the Knicks. In They play at one of the slowest paces in the league. The defensive numbers are really good. Um, offensive numbers in general are bad. Isolation offensive numbers very good. So what that tells you is the style of play they're going to is the players like Barrett and Randall, he's creating the sets to put them in situations where they can do what they're good at and not overcomplicate the offense. Just like there's um, there's been more shooting on the team. Austin Rivers has taken over games uh, since he started playing. Um, Julius Randall, it's hard to say uh, enough about how well that guy's playing. Is he, honestly, I think he he had a mark recently where only him and Oscar Robertson had ever started an NBA season with that many uh, points, assists, and rebounds. And I know that pisses off Russell Westbrook. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, RJ Barrett getting to the rim incredibly well. Alfred Payton uh, looked good. Emmanuel quickly is better than advertised coming out of the draft. Um, uh, Nerlens Noel accepted his role behind Mitchell Robinson. And just the roster makes a lot more sense. We don't have every power forward in the NBA this season. Yeah, I think um, Nick's on the up. Is I I didn't think I'd say that, but um, yeah, Nick's on the up. So um, keep your eye out for those. We, we're going to... Very just, just quickly. Just one last thing, uh, Hugh. Okay, it just, it struck me as, um, sorry, Timberwolves fans, but when you think back to coming out of uh, Tibbs's season with the Timberwolves, his final season, and it seemed like him and Jimmy Butler were the villains there. But retrospectively, now with what's happened for both of those people and how not good the Timberwolves have been, it looks very different. That situation... Uh, could be interpreted very differently. Very true. Yes. Many issues in Minnesota. Um, we're going to very briefly touch on New York, but not the New York that we've just been discussing. Let's, let's, I mean, for so many years, Mello was the guy that we just used to crap on on this podcast. It seems like almost every other podcast, it's now Kyrie. He decided to miss a game the other day, and uh, there's not been much... Um, explanation by him um, publicly that, that I've seen at least um, I think there was a statement that just someone he I can't remember who reported it uh, apologies for this but it was just sort of he didn't want to play um, what's what's going on there um, well I, I feel as though I, I hardly have in it have it in me to talk about Kyrie anymore um, but he look He's got some stuff that he has talked about in the past that he might have had to deal with. Um, he's obviously a very compassionate guy off the court in terms of the work he does. Um, but he has a tendency to not consider the things that you should consider important as a professional athlete important enough to do, such as informing your coach that you won't be turning up to a game. Um, so... What's happening, I think, is exactly what people knew would happen with Kyrie. Um, I think they're still going to have a really good season once they hit a kind of run of consistency if the season continues. Um, but quite frankly, 
it's the uh, you take the good and the bad with Kyrie, and that kind of thing is the bad. I th- I, I have sympathy with him in terms of the public uh, sphere of it, because obviously the guy is quite a private guy. Um, and even though he has the antics of someone who um, is, uh, you know, a, a celebrity and enjoys messing around in the spotlight, actually, I get the impression his personality is one that is more reserved and would prefer to just go about his business. I also worry that um, during times like this, the the well nba twitter sort of jumps on him as if uh he's doing something wrong when actually i think you know i believe he missed the game after was it was the day after the jacob blake news came out um and i know that uh, you know a lot of these social justice issues are very close to him and whether he was struggling to deal with that um mentally in terms of his health um I don't think he necessarily owes an explanation to fans or to the media, but at the same time, I think uh, he he possibly does owe some explanation to his employer and his and his manager, um, being Steve Nash, the coach, who I felt sorry for because he just looked a, bit, a little bit perplexed um, when asked those questions. Um, Nick, do you have anything you'd like to sort of add to that in this confusing situation? Well, he's just a weird guy, isn't he? He he either there's been so many things with him in the past few years where he either needs to get a publicist who can help him with how understanding how these things will come across even if they are not interpreted by the media and fans as he expects them to be or he should just start I don't I don't think he's stupid. So I feel like he knows how a lot of this stuff will come across and not playing in a NBA game and not bothering to tell your coach that you're not playing or why is it's a sort of like I I I think it's a bit patronizing to think he doesn't know how that will come across because like even if I was coaching an under 16 team and someone couldn't play I'd expect them to give me the courtesy of uh, telling me they couldn't play in a game. Um, but when you start adding up the various things that have been said, I remember before the season, there was a quote. I can't actually, to be fair, remember if it was Kyrie or KD who said it, but when you start putting things together there, and the quote I'm talking about was uh, one of the two said um, something along the lines of, they didn't really see Steve Nash as the coach and they'd mm. be sort of doing it as a group. When you hear that, and then you hear the fact they're just choosing not to play in games and not bothering to tell Nash, it's a bit disrespectful when you start putting those things together. Yeah. And, yeah, it was, uh, I believe it was Kyrie who said that, um, and it falls into a long line of that kind of comment. And I think that generally, you know, a lot has been said about his relationship with the media and things like that. But I think quite simply the guy just doesn't consider the right things important. Um, and I'm fairly sure he doesn't consider the fact that he reports to his coach important. I don't think he considers um, the thoughts of the media important, of course. Unfortunately, he really should care about how his organisation that employs him to benefit. Frankly, Hugh, you kind of touched upon it. He does benefit from stardom, um, but he wants to avoid the difficult parts of it um, by simply dismissing it. 
and unfortunately that doesn't serve his reputation well. Whether he cares about that is another thing, um, but I truly think the best players in NBA history have found a way to have a really strong relationship with the media and their organisation, uh, which kind of really helps them just be furious competitors in the right environment. Uh, so I just hope he doesn't continue to create a circus for Brooklyn um, and they can really make the most of the unbelievable depth and talent they have in that squad. Absolutely. So from one silly nonsense to another, Nick, what have you got for us in Nick's silly nonsense this week? It is a double header this week and I am particularly excited. So this, uh, this week with talk surfacing of the NBA expanding uh, adding new teams, which locations from anywhere in the world should be rewarded with teams and what should the team names for those cities be? Wrong answers only. Hugh, have you got one? You go first. Okay, so I'm going to... Um, you said anywhere in the world. Exactly. Okay, I, so I'm going to another continent. I'm going to uh, Antarctica. Um where there are 70 bases for humans in, um, uh, in Antarctica. And I chose one at random because I think the entire continent has been starved of professional sport over time. Um, uh, so I've gone for the Esperanza base, and I'm calling my team the Esperanza Emperors, uh, based on the penguin. Um, there obviously could be some travel issues and there might be some extreme scientific flaws in my plan, um, but I don't want to hear any of that. It's the Esperanza Emperors for me. That's a, that's a good one. You, you, you went remote, no doubt about that. I'm probably going to go bigger city, to be honest, and um, a team that hasn't, uh, a city that hasn't had um, a professional basketball team in a few years, um, but it was possibly one of the best uh, cities to have basketball, um, and that's Birmingham. Um, haven't I didn't come up with a nickname for it? I'm assuming uh, so you're meaning UK and not Alabama. Birmingham in, in the UK, yes, not not Alabama. Um, I think uh, yeah, we, we we don't need any more uh, any more Southern NBA teams. No 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 offense to, to Texas. Um, yeah, I'm I'm thinking it's it's going to have to be Birmingham. Um, what we call it, I mean, we could resurrect some of the old BBL names. Um, bullets. And bullets, maybe. Um, I, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see some right in the centre of England that's really accessible to everybody. So the nice. opposite of the Esperanza Emperors. Which, yeah. Which I think yeah. We need a fan base for one of them, at least, to, to you know, balance out the, uh, the, the uh, profit sharing. So are you suggesting mm -hmm. that the Esperanza Emperors are a small market team and they won't be able to attract the talent? you know they like you said it's it's a bit like san antonio you know the the whole community will get behind them okay. um but because there's no other pro sports teams there um but yeah i i don't think it'll be one of the big money makers okay. maybe i'm wrong right so so i came up with a few uh potential ideas here and you'll you'll see a pattern in uh the places i'm choosing that they all have um names of interest to me so my first one is uh the home town of Larry Bird, the French Lick Hicks is what I've gone for. Love it. Um, second one is there is a town in Turkey called Batman. And so I have gifted them the team of the Batman and Robins. <laughs> I mean, how silly town, is that? 
in uh, Madagascar called Go 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 Go. So I've created the Go 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 Girls. In next Scotland, question, <laughs> there is. <laughs> don't worry, Kirk. I'm getting there. Uh, in in Scotland, there is a place called Lost. So I have the Lost Smoke Monsters. Shout out to Lost. Uh, in Texas, there is a place called Needmore. So I have the Needmore Cowbells, which if you haven't seen that Saturday Night Live skit, you should. And finally, and this is one for you, Kirk, we have in North Carolina, there is a town called Why Not? So I have the Why Not Next Questions, who as part of their founding, just get given Russell Westbrook. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> okay. Second part of the double header, and I'm excited. I saw Tom Hall in the uh, in the chat. Um, one one thing to look out for for any uh, viewers on Twitch or YouTube is when he is on the pod. Look how immaculately his bed is made. So here's my question: We're all aware of Tom Hall's elite bed making, but who in the NBA would you speculate is the best bed maker? Well. Of course, it's hard really to compare anyone to a Hall of Fame talent like Tom Hall. He's obviously Tom Hall of Fame. Yes, he just he he does it all. He does it on both ends of the bed. I don't know what that means. <laughs> this is thinking of doctor. Okay, you right. can tell we're approaching ten. Okay, o'clock. let's let's just I'll, I'll just do my answer. It's uh, Ricky Rubio. I think he's got great vision. Uh, he seems like someone who really cares and he'd really want to leave a really good impression in terms of nice folding. Um, he'll plump up your pillows. Uh, maybe he'll even leave a little hotel chocolate for you at the end. See, for me, I went with someone who demands perfection because nobody wants a messy bed. Um, I, I, th- I think when I think of making my bed, you know, I think of one of my parents coming in and sort of saying, you know, what is this? This is a mess. You need to tighten this up and, you know, t- really get it much tidier. And uh, someone who I think would, would absolutely be on it at all times is Chris Paul, to the point where he would annoy people um, about how important making a bed is. He would be, he would be the army sergeant of bed making. Um, and I, 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 honestly think, I honestly think my bed would be better for it. You'd wake up, and as soon as your head rises from the pillow, he'd be criticizing the dent that you've left. It's Chris Paul, and um, and and you know, telling on me to the refs if uh, you know if if I put the, the the sort of label at the wrong end or something, you know. <laughs> Perfect. I I had uh, I went in a slightly different direction, and I went with someone whose grooming standards are so consistently immaculate that I just speculate it runs throughout their life, and that is Carl Kuzma, who, funnily enough, also features on my list of. Uh, he's behind Nick Van Exel though in NBA players who look a bit like cats to me. <laughs> and it's, it, I'm going to Google them right now. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned. We need to do a post about this. You, you mentioned Army Sergeant earlier, Hugh. And um, my all-time selection for bed making is the guy who, on this very podcast, won greatest shoulders in the NBA in NBA history, which is David Robinson, who served time in the U.S. Navy. I can only imagine his bed uh, as a deeply devout Christian man 
military history, that bed is getting made. He's going to make everyone else's bed in within a three mile radius. It's going to be precision every time. He's on fire. And you could say the same maybe for Greg Popovich, who was also in the military, right? But you know, as if you want to, I, do, I just think with Greg Popovich, after too many wines, he just wouldn't give a damn. You know, he, mm. he wouldn't even get into the bed; he'd sort of pass out on top of it. Um, we we are we we are skipping a few points tonight because uh, we're rapidly running out of time. Clearly, we went long on all the social justice stuff. But um, yeah, I, um, there was a fantastic picture which I'll make sure we retweet from the Double Clutch account uh, again. Oh, is that the one? <laughs> That's fantastic of of uh, of um, the immortal Greg Popovich jumping up and down, uh, angry at a call. Um, so we're gonna we're we're gonna go through to uh, just do a couple of quick fire questions. Um, these are questions from Discord. If you're not following us on Discord, make sure you do uh, head over to. Um, Someone give me the link. There we go. Discord.me forward slash double clutch. Um, and uh, you, you can join the community and you can get involved with the conversation throughout the entire week where we have lots of conversations. Um, the past couple of days, we've been chatting about the um, the, the the pretty cool Sky Sports watch along uh, game that they did the other night with, uh, with the heat check guys. That was fun to watch. I tuned in and out of that a few times. But there's also been a few questions that um, that some of our regular listeners have fired up to us. So we'll go we'll go pretty quick fire with these because um, we're running out of time, and I know Kirk likes to get to bed uh, pretty early these days. So um, from Ross, we had um, Raptors and Nuggets. Should alarm bells be ringing with these teams? They're not performing terribly well out of the gate. Uh, I'll just check the latest standings. Nuggets are five and five. Um, and the Raptors, who were champions the season before last, are two and seven. Time to panic, guys. Uh, well, I think that for the Nuggets, I don't necessarily think that they should be massively worried. I think the workload of their star players is really heavy, so that is a concern. Um, you know, they don't have the luxury of Joe Kitch double doubles. They need. Jokic double-doubles to stay afloat in many games. I think that that's obviously a problem, but it's so early in the season. They obviously haven't hit the ground running in the way that they would have hoped after such a successful bubble. But like I said, early days um, and a long way to go. I think, Any thoughts, Nick? I think of the two, uh, initially I was a bit worried about the Nuggets. And obviously, anytime you lose Jeremy Grant, you're going to struggle. Um, but... MVP. Uh, the thing, Jeremy the thing is, they were getting. I was watching the Nuggets games, and they they were getting MVP kind of level performances out of Jokic, and still losing games. And that's why mm. I would have been a bit concerned. They've turned it around. Um, watch them beat my Knicks the other day, and I, I think it was a bit of a quirk of the games they were playing. Their their early record. The Raptors, however, I'd be a little more worried about. Um, they're getting. A lot out of uh, Chris Boucher, as I talked about. Van Vliet is uh, scoring incredibly well. It's a little bit more challenging for me to see how, obviously, Siakam's disappointed. Um, Tom in the in the chat completely agree. And I I just start to worry about maybe they've reached their point. Obviously, Carl Lowry is way up there in age now, and is it time for them to hit the reset button? It might it might be. 
Yeah. I said at the time, and I'll say it again, uh, clearly that the Spurs were the winners of the DeRozan trade. Moving on, we've got Richard Fang. He asked uh, the top three MVP candidates. Um, his are Jokic, Luca, and Bradley Beal. What are your thoughts on those top, on that as a top three, gentlemen? Um, well, firstly, I just say, want to say that the previous thing that you said, if it was on, if it was a tweet, you would have one of those uh, Trump disclaimers um, saying that you know you should be wary of it. But anyway, uh, right now I've got um, Embiid uh, as my front runner. I think that we touched upon it. He's really a different animal um, this year, much to the you know better team around him but also he's been really really aggressive and seems really locked in i've got Jokic, who also is balling at a really high level but like nick said they're losing games and they've currently got a 500 record so i really like it when it leads to team success like with Embiid. and then finally um in third place i've got mr steph curry um, we said that he'd have to go supernova, um, and he really has done on a few times this year. He's clearly leading this team, and I think he might have a few more of those great games in him as the Warriors surge to the top pot, uh, top spot in the West, as I stated at the um, start of the season. The six and four uh, Golden State Warriors. Nick, any thoughts on a top three MVP? Yeah, so uh, the issue I have with that list is that not many of them are winning basketball games, which mm-hmm. is half of winning the award, um, as is the kind of actual reality of it. So um, I think you have to throw LeBron into the conversation. It's boring. It's been done before, but he's just or he's so good. We see it again and again. Um, I'm going to throw in one that I think will bring delight to Mr. Coyne, which is Jalen Brown, who if the Celtics, if the narrative goes right and the Celtics finish top or second in the East, he's been their best player this season and he we haven't seen him play this well. Um, so I think I could imagine a world in which the narrative twisted for him to win it. And... Uh, someone else to throw in uh again i'm going to go slightly unorthodox if the suns are still up there in the standings at the end devon booker may be the type of person who again the narrative could build behind to oh isn't this new and exciting the suns are good you, that's sort you, of you what know, i've got is that, sorry, sorry gosh. yeah you know that Jalen was the first name that came to my head but i'd already used my homer pass so continue hugh um, yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on Devin Booker. I think he's going to be uh, in the top three running um, towards the end of the season. Um, but speaking of Jalen Brown, um, there was a great article by Charlie Liptrot that uh, went up live on DoubleClutch.uk um, in the past few days. Um, Jalen Brown has taken the leap, but what does that mean for the Boston Celtics? And it talks about you know who's. Who's more important, uh, Jalen or Jason uh, Tatum? But also, um, you know, what, what what type of ceiling does the team have now? Because uh, they're both they're both sort of peaking at a good time for them if they can get back on the court together. Of course, um, we've got uh, a question from our very own Mike Miller, who um, I'm sure he sends apologies for not being here, but I didn't receive them. Um, Mike Miller asked, is Zach Levine real and how good could he be elsewhere? Um, I've got quick thoughts on this. Um, He is for real in the sense that he's a greedy scorer and no, he wouldn't be any better anywhere else. Gentlemen? 
Wow, that was really strong. Um, I feel like you were extra combative there because it was Mike sending that in. I love it. Uh, I think that uh, Levine is a really talented player. As Mike suggested, unfortunately, um, the Bulls are just definitely not for real. Um, 45 mm. 7 and 7 against the Clippers is what he had. So it wasn't just scoring Levine. Um, he was unbelievable in that game against the Clippers. Um, but he has to do a lot of the heavy lifting in that team. So, yes, of course, he would probably be better and contribute to winning with a better team. Uh, but the stats would be far less impressive, of course. Uh, so it wouldn't show up on the sheet. Uh, I think he could help a team win. Um, but he's not for real in the sense of like a star player in the league. I... Remember having a conversation about Levine with Mike on this pod way back now. I think it was last season. And um, I kind of am consistent with what I was saying then where he, he had uh, trouble with coaches and I'm not, um, I don't think it's as negative as it's been made out in that I think he's the type of guy who struggles with losing situations and by being on a bad team. And I don't hate that. We've seen similar things with Jimmy Butler, for example, where sometimes winning players just don't cope well in losing situations. Now, him as a player, I think he, he reminds me a lot of Monte Ellis, who a kind of mm. really agile, gifted uh, scorer who on the right team um, could be really effective. But if they're your best player and you don't have much else you're not going very far. You, you're already seeing it with Chicago. You're not going to win many games. So a qualified yes for Levine for me. I, I do like him, but as I say, if he's your best player, you're not the greatest team. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's where I stand on it is um, I admire his skill uh, and, and brilliance in putting the ball in the basket, but um, as a number one option, is that's not what I would aim for my basketball team uh, roster construction. Um, breaking news, gentlemen. I don't know if you've seen in the Twitch chat, but um, Richard Fang, I'm not sure what his sources are, but he said uh, Kyrie is out again tomorrow. So uh, maybe that's a tweet that we haven't seen as we've been um, on air. But uh, yeah, it looks as if that situation is continuing. Um, as we continue, though, uh, one more question from Rich Barrett. And I'm not sure if this is really a question for the pod or just a shout out for um, call calling out a bad Christmas gift giver, um, because obviously he hasn't, he hasn't received it yet and he's not very happy about it. But Rich Barrett said, I'm currently wearing my Seattle Supersonic stance socks, which were a gift from Bryn Cooper. Um, apologies, I, th I thought he said that he hadn't received it, but he has received them and he's very happy about it. So. What's your most random but well-loved bit of merch? Jeez, um, random. I'm completely thinking off the cuff here. I'm even looking around the room. Um, but I'm going to say I've got a little Al Horford plush toy of sorts. I don't know where it is. I think I might have given it to my girlfriend who was a big fan of Al Horford um, for eyelash reasons. Um, but, so I'm going to go with that. Would you describe them as cat-like? Uh, <laughs> well, whoever writes the article will have to look into that. He doesn't have whiskers, though. Mm. I, well, having just... Sorry, Hugh, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to uh, invite you to talk. So you go ahead, Nick. Okay, I 
so having just moved house, I did a big D stuff recently. So I've actually gone in a slightly different direction for this one, but my, I've got a bit of a show and tell. So these are Jordan 3 Tinker Hatfields. And the story behind these is that they, um, they reflect the original drawing Tinker Hatfield did. If you don't know, that's the guy who designed a lot of the uh, most popular Jordan models. And he did the original sketch for the Jordan 3s that were slightly different from the end product made, but those are um, actually reflective of that original design. So I have those. And I had one other I just want to highlight, which was the uh, uh, the Reebok Questions, white on white, which is um, Iverson's first signature shoe. And the one he, the shoe he's wearing in those uh, incredible videos, like crossing over Jordan and all of those sorts of things. So, yeah, a couple of uh, my favourite kicks at the moment. Nick, um, can I just ask you a question? Who do you think you are? I come in with a plush toy and you <laughs> dunk all over me with great disrespect. A fucking plush toy. What was I thinking? Go on, continue. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to talk about the, uh, the um, non-brand Lego men that I've got. Um, <laughs> and I think, in fact, we'll uh, we'll end the show on on that very um, point. Uh, Nick basically dominating us in the in the kicks department. Congratulations! By the way, those Tinker Hatfield ones, like I assume you don't wear them. Are they just for looking at? No, I wear shoes are for wearing, mate. I I've, uh, I always wear shoes. I'm not I'm of the uh, museum shoe type. Good, good. Glad to hear it. Um, so we're going to wrap up now. We're going to quickly talk about the games of the week. So these are the games that uh, we as a team or individuals on this team, we pick for the, you basically have to watch. Um, gentlemen, uh, let, let's go to you first, Nick. Who, who have you got um, as your game of the week? So I, I've actually used my Homer card on this one where I've gone next Knicks. And I think it's a really interesting dynamic now where actually, well, maybe it won't be if, Kyrie plays in the game or doesn't play in the game. Who knows? But you have uh, the star-studded lineup in Brooklyn, obviously some of the most talented players in the league versus uh, the sort of lowly thought of Knicks who are currently at least overachieving. Um, maybe we're seeing the start of a real uh, rivalry in New York. Who knows? But a real one to watch for me. And Josh? Um, I'm going to go with also the Nets. I've gone for the Nets Nuggets on Tuesday night just because of the reasons that we... I mean, obviously, that's changed now with Kyrie missing, but um, inconsistent teams that have, you know, the incentive to make a statement. Very good. And I'm going to go for the Battle of Europe, basically, which star is going to uh, take the European crown. So we've got Mavericks versus Bucks. Uh, that's on Friday night, Saturday morning at 12.30. I believe that's on Sky as well, so Sky Sports. So if you guys have that in the UK, then uh, make sure you tune in. Um, but th I, th I think we'll we'll wrap it there, gentlemen. Thank you for uh, for your thoughts and your candor and also uh, your dose of reality with um, the importance of everything that's been going on in the world in the past week. Um, 
But uh, also thanks to everybody on the Twitch channel. If you don't normally follow us on the Twitch channel, I just want to give a quick shout out to it. Um, we do this every week on uh, on, on Twitch at 9 p.m. We were meant to go for an hour, but we almost always go for like an hour. Uh, well, tonight is hour and 15. Normally Mike goes like an hour and 40 because his timekeeping is terrible. But make sure you follow us on twitch.tv forward slash double clutch UK. Um, and I mentioned it earlier, but also follow us uh, join our discord server discord.me forward slash double clutch and of course you can uh, follow us on twitter and instagram and facebook uh, at double clutch um but guys that's everything for tonight do you want do you guys want to just give a quick shout out to your social handles as well as we do yeah i'll go at pound coin where you'll find a mixture of um, music basketball and football nonsense yeah, I'm. You can find me at, at NJ Whitfield on Twitter, chatting all kinds of nonsense, NBA or otherwise. And you can find me at the Hoops Nerd. Um, uh, thanks very much, gentlemen, and thanks, Kirk, as ever, Captain Kirk in the background. You don't see him, but uh, he's the one that makes basically this this whole magic happen and uh, brings us into your lives. So uh, thank you for that, and uh, we will see you next week. Where's the lamb sauce? Come on, man. I just need it. Where's the lamb sauce?